Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. If you were on prayer last Friday morning, I've been sharing out of the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 3, he has a prayer that I believe we should pray not only for other saints, but we should pray this for our family as well. He said that God would grant unto you by your rich treasure and glory, strengthen you, reinforce you with might to your inner man, the Holy Spirit himself, to your inmost being and your personality. He said that Christ would dwell inside of your heart. Aren't you thankful that you've asked Jesus to come live on the inside of you? In fact, before we go any further, if you don't have Jesus, the Lord of your life, please do not partake of this. Because this is a big deal about what we're, we're about to do. He said, he said that Christ may dwell inside of your heart. He said, rooted and grounded in love. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the height, the depth, the length, and width of his love. Rooted and grounded in love. We looked at it last Friday. But we know this, that the cross at Calvary was rooted, was grounded, and it was in love. How many of y'all know when we take this, when we take communion, we're, we're, we're telling ourselves and what we're, what, what we're declaring as we take of this bread and we take of this blood, the body that was broken for us, the blood that was shed on the cross at Calvary, thinking for each and every one of us. He tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, do this in remembrance of me, not only of what I did, but also in remembrance that I'm coming back for the church. How many of y'all thankful that Jesus is not going to leave us high and dry here on this earth, we know that Jesus is coming back for the church. We know that. And if you leave this life early, Jesus, you'll, you'll meet Jesus in the air. Amen? But today, as we take this, I just want you to think about that rooted and grounded in love, that you will know the height, the depth, and length of, of your love, of his love. See, I believe there's people in the room today that need to experience restoration. I believe there's people in the room today that people have left you high and dry. I believe there's people in the room that are feeling lonely and despaired. I believe there's people in here that hate this time of the year because it reminds them of how alone they really are. But I'm here to tell you, as we take of this, I believe there's something that will happen supernatural as we take of his body that was broken for you and I, that rooted and grounded in love. I also believe this, that healing can take place in your body. I believe we serve the God of Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. The Bible tells us, 1 Peter 2.24, that by his stripes we are healed. And Psalm 107.20 says he sent his word and he healed us and he delivered us from all destruction. John 1 and verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So we know that Jesus is the word. And Psalm 107.20 says he sent his word, which is Jesus, to die on the cross. He shed his body and his blood was poured out so we could walk in healing. I know there's many of you in the room that you've dealt with sinuses, I know I have, like Friday. Wasn't it terrible? I mean, it was windier than a presidential speech. It was terrible, right? <laughs> but listen, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord lives on forever is what the Bible says. And his Bible, the word of God says that we can walk in healing and in health. So close your eyes with me and hold up the bread. God, we do this in remembrance of you. That you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And no matter what we're up against, we sing it just a while ago. 
the cross has the final word. And Lord, on that cross at Calvary, you paid the ultimate penalty. You paid the ultimate price, thinking of each and every one of us. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we take of this bread, it's not just bread, but it's a representation of your body that was broken for each and every one of us. Lord, you told us in your word in Isaiah 53 that the chastisement of your peace was upon us and that by your stripes we are healed. And so, God, we know that you are a lamb that was led to slaughter for each and every one of us. So, Lord, as we take of this, we pray, God, for not only restoration, we pray for healing. We pray for deliverance to happen in the room today. In Jesus' name. Go ahead and take of the bread. And, God, as we take of this blood, we know that your blood is your strength flowing into our weakness. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. We've overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so, God, as we take of this blood, we don't just do it out of repetition and something that our forefathers and Christians have done over the hundreds of years. We do this because we know it's powerful. We do this because we know, God, there is something supernatural that happens that we, when we come back to the blood, miracles happen in the room. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we lift up your blood, as we take of your blood, we pray, God, for a miracle to happen in each and every one of us. That it's still alive today. It's not dead. It's not lost its power. But it gets more and more powerful every day. In Jesus' name, amen. God, I just pray, Lord, for our time together in your word. I pray, Lord, that you would move mightily in our midst. I thank you, God, for the word that you've given me to share with your people. As heavy as you put it on me, God. May I have the heart of a pastor. Lord, I know there is people in this room that have been wounded. Not just because of decisions that they've made, but maybe decisions that their dad made or their mom made. But God, in your word, I see that David, he made the ultimate mistake. But God, he also said this, creating me a clean heart. We don't have to live with the issues of our past. God, you've given us a bright future. So, Lord, I just pray for those that may be hurting in the room, God, because of things that have been said and done and maybe out of their reach of what they could handle. I pray, Lord, that they would feel your touch today. Minister to them. Open eyes to see and ears to hear. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Aren't you thankful you came to the house of the Lord? But hey, before you're seated, look at your neighbor and said, you really do look like you've lost some weight. Have you lost 20 pounds? Amen. Thank you, John. Well, who's happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Well, praise God. 
uh, I'm so thankful that each and every one of you are here. I believe this is my last uh, installment from the pastor to the palace. And uh, if you haven't been here over the last couple of weeks, I've been speaking on uh, this particular text here uh, in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. Look in the life of David. In Acts chapter 13, Luke, as he writes about David, he, he writes this. He said in Acts 13, 22, the Lord is speaking. He said, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. And in everything that we do, we aspire. My whole point is this. We aspire to be like Jesus. How many of y'all want to be more and more like the Lord? Amen. And uh, the Bible tells us this, that Jesus told us, greater works shall you do. And so everything that he did, I believe the same power of resurrection lives on the inside of each and every one of us. In fact, the Bible says in Mark 16 that uh, believers can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Believers can cast out devils in his name. Um, there is supernatural power in each and every one of us as believers. But uh, the second most wrote about person in all the Bible is, is David. And what I love about David, somebody who's living in the palace and doing great things, but we don't look right away at the grind of what they've had to go through, the, the, the cities they've had to build and the contracts that they've had to fill and all the different things, that the, the, the discipline that they've had to have in their life in order to get inside of the palace. And we see in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we see that the Bible says this, that he was a skillful musician, that he was eloquent in his speech, that he was a good-looking man, that he was a brave and competent warrior. The Bible says that the Lord was with him. But I'm telling you this, because the Lord was with him, we know this, because the Lord is with him, he did all of those things. But I tell you, from the outside world, they won't see that the Lord is with you until you are skillful in the thing that you put your hand to. The outside world won't see you as somebody who walks with the Lord until you are brave and competent. It's those effects that, that, that speak into somebody's life that the Lord God, how many of y'all have ever seen somebody before that you know they're a man of God because of their actions and the things that they've accomplished and done in their life? Amen? How many of y'all know there's an anointing upon their life? And it didn't just come because God blesses one and not the other. I believe this, when he was out in the field tending to his father's sheep as he was working... There were some things that God was instilling into him because he put God first. And so uh, the Bible tells us this in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 8. He said, I took you from the palace or I took you from the pasture tending my sheep or tending your father's sheep to now being in the palace where I, you look over my sheep. And so it didn't just happen overnight. If you know the story, we've been looking at it. Uh, a Saul, God appointed Saul to be the king. He messes up. He puts uh, the priestly duties into his own hands, and he tries to do it by himself. And so he messes that up. So God looks for another king. In 1 Samuel 16, we see that he goes to the house of Jesse. They're making sacrifices there. He goes through eight sons, and he finds the boy named David. He's out in the pasture. He's not even there. That's a whole other story for a different time. God anoints him with a horn of oil. He begins to play for Saul inside of his palace. Then in chapter 17, we looked a couple weeks ago of how he was a warrior. He was a worshiper, then he was a warrior. And he defeats Goliath. And after he defeats Goliath, he comes now. He's inside of the king's palace, King Saul's palace. <clears throat> and the Bible says that women come into the room or into the city and they said David had, or Saul has killed his thousands but David has killed his tens of thousands. How many of y'all know insecurity leads to jealousy? Jealousy leads to envy and envy leads to murder. And so for 16 years of his life, he runs from King Saul. 
And what happens is at the end of 1 Samuel, I'm going to skip a lot of this, but I want to encourage you to read 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. If you want a good story of Jerry Springer, this is the one to look at right here. And so he runs for, for his life. I mean, I'm telling you, aren't you thankful for the word of God? It's not boring. It's always alive. And the same tricks that the devil does today is the same tricks that he did thousands of years ago. How I many of y'all know the enemy has no new tricks in the bag? And so the Lord, in fact, Samuel prophesies to Saul, and he says this, Tomorrow you'll die on the battlefield, and you'll not only die on your own sword, but you will die. Your son will die as well. And we, we see at the end of Samuel, uh, the first Samuel, that, that Saul actually dies on his own sword. His son dies as well. In that pagan army that they were up against, there was a wall. They cut their heads off of Jonathan and off of Saul, and they pinned their bodies to the wall. And David is a man of honor. The guy that had been trying to kill him for 16 years of his life, he still saw him as the king that God anointed at one time. And he goes to that army and he takes them off the wall and he gives them a proper burial. From that time, he is now known as king of Judah. And then what he does from there, he goes different tribes, right? We know there's 12 tribes in Israel and there's all these different tribes and they were all doing their own thing. But what God used David to do was, was bring them all into one kingdom. You know what God's called each and every one of us to do today? Is to bring every one of us into one kingdom. Can I get an amen today? The same thing that God used David to do is the same thing that God is calling us to do. We live under one kingdom. Amen. The king of kings, the Lord of lords. The one king over each and every one of us. <clears throat> and so if you read the story of 2 Samuel here, he's now inside of this kingdom. And he's doing kingly duties. And, and if you have your Bibles, open them to 2 Samuel chapter 11. And he still honors the house of Saul. He brings the Ark of the Covenant in. There's still <clears throat> the story right before we get to 2 Samuel chapter 11. Um, um, we, we see that he's sitting inside of his big palace that he has built inside the city of David there. And he looks out and sees the tent. And that's when he tells the Lord... Why do I live in this big palace and you live in that tent? And he honored God's presence and he built a palace for it and a temple. Uh, and he wants to build a temple for it. But just the fact that he restored God into that land. God is using, how many of y'all know, the Bible says, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. But then we get to chapter 11. And if I'm really honest with you, there's, there's parts of the Bible that I wish I could cut out. How I many of y'all know there's, there's some in there that you wish you could just cut out? That scripture wasn't there. I don't think I read that. No, no, no. All right? On tithing, on giving, it's like, uh, I wish I could do my own thing, you know. But how I many of y'all know there's commands that God gives us from the Lord? And so love your neighbor as you love yourself. Some of you would like to really cut that out of the Bible, but you can't do it, all right? And so, and, and, and before I get started, I just want to point this out about David. Or I want to point this out about life. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And God comes to give life and life more abundantly. Can I tell you this? If the enemy can't take you out when you're young, he'll take you out when you're old. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, don't have any open doors to the enemy. We saw in the story of David and Goliath, 40 days and 40 nights, the enemy would come out and he would taunt the armies of Israel. Can I tell you, you've got to daily pick up your cross and follow him. He didn't say that it would be easy. In fact, there would be times in your life where it's going to be very, very heavy. But it means that every single day there is an adversary that roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
How many of y'all know he's going to devour you in your thoughts before he ever does in your body? And so I, I know this for a fact. He tries to take you out when you're young. How many of y'all have some stories of God spared your life when you were young? I was in a bad accident in 1988, and God spared my life. My dad had rheumatic fever that was like dramatic fever, bad. I mean, you know, that, that tried to take him out. I, look at the story of Moses. Moses was a man of God, but the enemy tried to kill him when he was a baby. Look at Jesus. Herod the Great sends out a census to kill all the babies. Jesus is one of those, a part of that census, but God spared his life. But if he can't take you out when, he's young, when you're young, you know what the enemy's biggest, another trick that he likes to do? He likes to get people in places of influence and power and take them out there because it not only takes them out, but it takes out a whole lot, lot of other people. I mean, think about the ministries that you guys, uh, that just the little ones that you've heard of, of people of influence and power. They get, get, they get caught up in some kind of sex scandal or they turn homosexual or something like that. But it not only affects them, but there is people that still don't go to church today or serve God because of man. Can I tell you this? I've repented this last week. Some people have got upset with me and the church and different things like that. And one of the things that I told them was this. I apologize to you as a pastor, and I'm going to tell you this straight up right now because this is on my heart. I'm going to apologize to you if I ever make you fall more in love with me into this church than I do with Jesus. Because I will fail, this church will fail. But you know who doesn't fail? Jesus Christ. And you can always see when somebody messes up, whether or not believers that were following them, they see if they had a relationship with the pastor or a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he never leaves us, the Bible says, and he never forsakes us. And now I, I, I'm, saying, I'm saying that because, the, the, you know, pastors make mistakes. Now there, there may be some, I, now I'm telling you, I met with a guy a couple of weeks ago that was involved with the pastor that there was sin in his life. That's a whole different thing. That maybe he needs to find somewhere else to dwell, but you don't leave the big C, capital C, church over one person. I'm saying you continue to serve God whether or not what else somebody else does. Are you hearing me today? And so this is a great example here. Now, before I start, I want you, I want you to think about David. All the things that I've already talked about. David who wrote Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 37, where he says, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delights in his way. Psalm 1, he abides in, or Psalm, not, um, Psalm 1, blesses a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. All of those things, and all the things that he's done. Now we get to chapter 11. If it's okay, I'm going to read all of it. I wrote it all to myself this morning, read it all to myself this morning. It takes three minutes. I mean, all know we're a Bible-believing church. If you don't like it. Listen anyway, because I'm going to read it. Praise the Lord. It said, then it happened in the spring at the time when the kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all the fighting men of Israel, and they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his couch and was walking on the flat, flat roof of the king's palace. And from there... He saw a woman bathing, and she was very beautiful in appearance. David sent word and inquired about the woman. Someone said, uh, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her. When she came to him, he lay with her, and when she was purified from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. The woman conceived, and she sent word and told David, I am pregnant. 
Then David sent word to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to David, David asked him how Joab was, how the people were doing, and how the war was progressing. Then David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. Uriah left his king's palace, and a gift from the king was sent out after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance of the king's palace with all the servants of the Lord and did not go down to the house. When they told David Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Have you not come from a long journey? Why did you not go to your house? Uriah said to David, The ark in Israel and Judah are staying are staying in huts, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Should I go to my house and eat and drink and lie with my wife? By your life and the life of your soul, I will not do this thing. Then David said to Uriah, stay here today as well, and tomorrow I will let you leave. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. Then now David called him to dinner, and he ate and drank with him so that he made Uriah drunk. In the evening, he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of the Lord and still did not go down to the house. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. He wrote in the letter, put Uriah at the front line of the harvest fighting and leave him so that he may be struck down and die. So it happened that as Joab was besieged, the city he assigned Uriah to the place where he knew valiant men were positioned. And the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, and some of the people against, among the servants of David fell. Uriah the Hittite also died. Then Joab sent word and informed David and all the events of the war. And he commanded the messenger, When you have finished reporting all the events of the war to the king, that the king becomes angry and says to you, Why did you go sneer, uh, near the city to fight? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? Who killed Abimelech, the son of Jerubasheth, Jerubasheth, I worked on that this morning, but hallelujah, untie my bow tie, who stole my Honda? Was it not a woman who threw an upper millstone on him from the wall so that he died at Thebes? Why did you go so near the wall? Then you shall say, your servant Uriah the Hittite is also dead. So the messenger left, and he came and told David everything that Joab had said, sent him to report. The messenger said to David, the men indeed prevailed against us and came out to us in the field, but we were on them and pushed them as far as the entrance of the gate. Then the rancher shot at your servants from the wall. Some of the king's servants are dead, and your servant Uriah the Hittite is also dead. Then David said to the messenger, Tell Joab this, Do not let this thing disturb you, for the sword devours one side as well as another. Strengthen your battle against the city and overthrow it, and so encourage Joab. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband Uriah was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the time of mourning was passed, David sent word and had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. Are you ready this morning? I want to talk about David the sinner. David the sinner. I believe I would do you an injustice if I talked about David being the son David being a worshiper, David being a warrior, David being sought, David being a king. And if I didn't talk about David being the sinner. How many of y'all know he forgives us of our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness? Aren't you thankful that we serve a God of grace? Aren't you thankful we, we serve a God of mercy? But there's some things in the text here that I believe all of us should take a grab a hold of. 
In fact, if you're in this room today that this has happened inside of your marriage and or inside of your family, I'm here to tell you that there's a grace that God can turn the worst situations around and make them good. How many of y'all know that God can make what's evil and turn it around for good? Aren't you thankful for that? But in this particular text here, we see a king that has everything that makes a bad screw up. He, makes, he, he messes up bad. And there's some things about the story that I want to talk about that I don't believe people don't necessarily do uh, 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 see in the text. But uh, as I begin to talk about this, I believe this is a warning. How many of y'all know this is a warning to each and every one of us? That no matter how far you are in the Lord, that there is an enemy that is lurking at your door. No matter how far, no matter how many kingdoms you've built, no matter how many people you've influenced, there is an enemy that wants to take you out, especially when you're at the top. And the Bible tells us this in verse 1, that it happened in the spring of the year that, it, that, that a time when the kings went out to battle, that David sent Joab, and he stays home. In fact, the verse next scripture says this, he stays on the couch. I want to talk to you about how you can avoid these things in your life. This story is in here for a reason. And the number one thing that I see is this. You can't be lazy. Number one. Everybody say lazy. Don't be lazy. The Bible says this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. In fact, what I see about David here, what may, he didn't just have sex with another man's woman. There's some things that he did that set up his life for failure. The first one this, when all the kings were at to war, the right, he needed to be in the right place at the right time for such a time as this, but he quit fighting the battle. Can I tell you this, men, can I tell you dads, when you stop fighting the battle for your family, look out, you're about to fall. When you stop fighting for your marriage, look out, your marriage is about to fall. When you, when you can I tell you this, David called, or God called David when he was tending his sheep. God called Moses when he was tending the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro. God called Elisha when, uh, when, when he was uh, plowing the fields. And Elisha, Elijah found him. He was plowing the fields. God called Isaiah when he was inside the temple. God called uh, uh, the disciples. What were they do? They were fishing. They were doing something. Can I tell you this? God don't anoint lazy people. God does not anoint lazy people. When y'all I mean, know when you get idle, the, well, if you heard this before, idle hands is the devil's workshop. I mean, no, you've got to be busy. Men, women, both. Uh, I, I, I mean, I know women run the household, but men, get a job, work. I mean, y'all know, I, I've heard it many, many times before of somebody who didn't have anything to do. They found something to do, and it was the wrong thing to do. Can I get an amen out there? How many of y'all know we've got to fight? We have a fight. It's the Great Commission. Going to all the world and preach the gospel. He, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time because he had became lazy and said, somebody else can do that. Listen, nobody else can pray for you. Nobody else can read the Bible for you. Nobody else can get the presence of God for you. Come on, everything that he had done before, he had lost all of that. How many of y'all know it? I'm telling you. One of the biggest attacks I have from the enemy is on a Sunday afternoon. I'm just going to be real with you. The biggest attack that I have. The enemy comes at me in my head, but also, too, you've already fought, Travis. It's time to, you know, just relax. Do whatever you want to do. You know, there's people that, 
that have asked me, uh, that have told me, I can't believe they tell me this, but I've had people down at the barn and, and other people said, hey, you ought to watch this show. And I'd watch the first episode and I'm like, do they not know who I am? Like, Lord Jesus, this should be rated X, all right? Maybe Z, because that's, you know, at the end, that's like worse as you go, right? And, and uh, but you know what? There's something inside of my head and said, you know what? You cast out devils today. You ministered to the sick and saw them recover. It's time to just do whatever the heck you want to do. Am I the only one that's like this? No. I'm just being completely vulnerable. Some, some people think, well, you're a pastor. You're just a man of God. You're anointed. No, I've got to constantly fight against the flesh just like you. I promise you. I do. But I've always got to have the great commission out in front of me that I've got to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And if I know if I, this right here will lead to another door that leads to another door that leads to another door. And if I have any open doors in any area of my life, that's why I've got to constantly get up in the morning on Monday and read the word of God and pray and seek the Lord. On Tuesday, I've got to pray. Monday morning, I've got to pray, read the word, and seek the Lord. I've got to do it in spring, summer. I've got to do it in the winter. I've got to do it in every area of my life, in every season. Come on, when you quit fighting, that's when the enemy comes in. So the first thing I see is this. He was lazy, and I'm going to tell you right now, when you're lazy, God doesn't anoint lazy people. Amen? Now you can be in the other ditch where I get probably, where you work too much. How many of y'all know there's a ditch for anything? But God, God doesn't anoint lazy people. The second thing that I see is this. He doesn't run, he doesn't run from temptation. Now, I believe this. In fact, I was talking about John, to John about this the other day. I believe this. I believe that he had seen Bathsheba before, and that's the reason he stayed home from war. But the Bible's very clear. He's on the couch. How many of y'all know? When you're on the couch, you being lazy. Especially when your men are at war. Now, I'm not saying there ain't a time to rest. There is a time for rest. Amen? Amen. But the problem is, in the society we live in today, people rest more than they work. And God don't anoint that. But I, uh, I believe this, that, that uh, because in those days, the, the higher you are in position in authority, the higher you were, would be in the kingdom. So his, his palace was up high. And so he goes out and he looks. And splish splash, she was taking a bath. All about a Saturday night. Now, I believe this. I believe he had seen her before. I believe that. I believe that. I believe he had seen others. In fact, commentary says this, that she was the most beautiful woman in all the land. And, man, I'll tell you this. That if you see a woman naked on, on a path, because I'm, I'm going to be completely vulnerable here. I get the same text messages you get. I've got the same emails you've got. Years ago, I was on Instagram, and there's a church that I follow in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that somebody had hacked it, and I'm telling you, I saw straight-up pornography on my Instagram feed. Straight-up pornography. To look once, count yourself blessed. 
But if you continue, if you go back and look, count yourself cursed. That's when it becomes sin. Because how many of y'all know sometimes it's just there? I've gotten those same text messages as you. And can I tell you, that time that I saw that pornography on my Instagram feed, the next morning, I'll never forget it. I was standing inside the shower, and I told Pastor Brandy, I told her this. Hey, say, last night, and I told her, I described her exactly what I saw. Because when I see stuff like that, I get it off of me. I don't let it grab a hold of me. I said, I told Pastor Brandy, I said this. I said, this is what I saw last night. And she said this. I'll never forget it. She said, are you telling me this because this is a problem? I said, no. I'm telling you this because I don't want it to be a problem. Come on, I'm talking to men and women in the room. This ain't a problem with just men anymore. This is a problem. This, this, this is a spirit that's got in the earth. And so he didn't, he, what he did is he didn't resist. I'm telling you, the first time was a blessing. The second time is when it became a curse. I mean, y'all know what you see gets inside of your head, and what you, gets inside of your head gets inside of your heart. And he began to meditate, like, oh, my gosh, I have to. I, oh, I have to. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22 says this. So he doesn't run from temptation. That's my second point. But the Bible says run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Run. Run. That's why I told Pastor Brandy, I'm running. Right? I, I, I love it. I love the old uh, pastor tells me this story. He was with an evangelist. They went and saw Forrest Gump. And how many of y'all know the scene in Forrest Gump? When, when they're staying inside uh, uh, Forrest's manor that used to belong to his mom, and this, t- towards the end of the story, and Jenny comes up to his room, and she takes off that gown. He said that his friend who's an evangelist, he stood up inside of the movie theater and said, Run, Forrest, run! <laughs> How many of y'all know we need to Run! Can I tell you the root word? You've heard me preach this before. James chapter 1 and verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life that the Lord hath promised to those who love him. Can I tell you about temptation? It's temporary. When you're tempted to do something, you need to have a scripture to hold on to because it is temporary. And if you can fight past that temporary place, I'm telling you, there's victory on the other side. Amen? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and verse 13, Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? We're, that's not the scripture that I wanted. That we've all, I don't even know why I put this in here. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I know what it says. It, it tells us that we've all been tempted. But God is faithful that he won't tempt us more than we can bear. Aren't you thankful for the Lord? You know the show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Remember, you had three lifelines. You had 50-50, Capone a friend, somebody inside of the room, right? Can I tell you this? You need to think about this when you're tempted. You have lifelines. Phone a friend. And can I tell you this? The biggest lie, I'm telling you, I deal with this all the time, and I'm saying this so passionately this morning. The biggest lie that men and women inside of this church and Christians all across the world deal with is this. It's pride. You know why? It's, the root, it's, it's terrible. And it, they think this, well, if I call so-and-so, they're going to think that this is a problem. No, they're calling you because they don't want it to be a problem. And I'm telling you, you just humble yourself and say, hey, there's times I call my dad. I said, dad, I want to choke this person. Help me. Talk me out of it in Jesus' name. 
How many of y'all know there's some things down deep in the inside of you, if you don't deal with it, it will deal with you? Phone a friend. Here's another one. Get, never underestimate the power of one scripture. If you have a problem, you know, smoking dope, I told the guy one time, I, I, you know, I'm telling you, if you're lighting a crack pipe and saying, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, I'm, the, I'm telling you, you are going to feel so convicted, so convicted. Get you a scripture to hold on to. Come on. You have some lifelines. You want to be a millionaire? You better call a lifeline. There's power in the word and there's power in prayer. Give it to God. It's temporary. Everybody say it's temp. It's temp. Here's the third thing is this. He got distracted away from God's goodness. You know what a scary place to be is this? Is looking at your life and saying everything that's happened to me is everything that I've done. Everything that David did was because God's hand was on him. And can I tell you this? Every good and perfect thing cometh from above. Ephesians chapter 1 says he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And that there is blessings in your life. It's not because of anything that you've done. It's because of what God has done in you. All my children come from God. My marriage comes from God. This church comes from God. You people inside of this room comes from God. Yes, God uses us as a vessel. But the minute you stop thinking of putting God number one in your life is the minute a door of the enemy creeps into your life. Look what he does. I mean, it's the same story, different day. He tries to hide his sin. How many of y'all know when you sin and you lie, it's going to take another lie to cover up that lie? Right? Addicts of any kind, that's what they do. They lie on top of lie on top of lie. And, 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 and then they're a compulsive liar. All because of one habit. And all because of one sin. And so he does the old trick. He brings him back thinking that, you know what? He'll go to his wife and think that he's the one that got her knocked up. But, but, and, and he doesn't go because he's a man of honor. And he does the oldest trick in the book. He says, if I get her drunk, he'll booty call her. And he doesn't do it. And so because he's a man of honor, he stays there and he says, you know what? He writes a letter and he puts him out in the forefront. And can I tell you this? When there is sin in your life, it will not only affect you, it will affect other people. So when he has Uriah killed, there is others that are on the battle. Good men that had to die because of the mistake of David. It's 959. Y'all stay paying attention here. So you know the rest of the story. I'm glad we read it all. Dave, John, if you want to go ahead and come, come and play, I'm going to wrap this up here. But Nathan the prophet comes to David, and he says this. He gives him a story. He said, there's a man in the land that was rich, and he had all kinds of lambs. There was a poor man, and he only had one lamb. In fact, he treated it like a daughter. He slept with this lamb. He ate with this lamb. All of these things. And, but there was, a, there was a guest that came to the land. And he goes to the rich man who had all of them and he said, don't take one of mine, take one of these poor ones. David heard this story of Nathan the prophet and he said, who is this man? He said, you tell me who he is because he's going to pay for this and he's going to die under a righteous vendetta. 
Nathan the prophet looks at him and he says, Thou saith the Lord, you're that man. You're that man. The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel chapter 12, he said, You're the man, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. I anointed you as king over Israel, and I spared you from the hand of Saul. I also gave your master's house and put your master's wives into your care and under your protection. See, this is all the goodness that happened to him. And I gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have given you much, much more. Now, therefore, the sword, verse 10, now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will stir up evil against you from your own household and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them your companions and will lie with your wives in a broad daylight. Indeed, you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel in a broad daylight. I have sinned against the Lord and Nathan said to David, the Lord also has allowed your sin to pass. You shall not die. So David repents. In fact, here in a minute, I want to look at Psalm 51. I'm telling you, he really pours his guts out to the Lord and he repents. And I'm telling you right now, the first decision that you'll, you'll have to make. You know, can I tell you, I've met with many men that's came to me and said, I've been, this is, this is their life. Pastor Brandy and I have also met with women that have made this same mistake right here. And you know what I first thing I tell them is this. You repent today, God will forgive you. I can't promise you that your kids will. I can't promise you that your spouse will. But I will promise you this, that the King of kings and the Lord of lords will forgive you. How many of y'all know, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap? Because of this sin is the life, the son that Uriah has, is pregnant with, he has him, and he dies. The second thing that I see is this, Dr. Charlie shared, we were talking about this story, see, I, I, I get so much from men, but Dr. Charlie, he'll be in in the second service. He said, you know, when we make these kind of mistakes in our life, it's like this. It's like when you drive the nail to put up a picture. The picture of God's grace covers that nail. But any time you get out of the grace of God and begin to do your own thing, that hole is always there. And I'm telling you, God covers up the hole. But there's going to be people in your life that will always see that hole. Because people are people and people fail. Are you hearing me? That goes back to this. We serve God and not man. Not only that, but he has a daughter. You read on from the story. In fact, the very next chapter, he has a daughter that's raped by one of his sons. There's a spirit that comes inside of his home because of his mistake. Men, can I tell you this? The things that you don't deal with today will affect your children. Like my children are dead and gone. Still deal with it. The things that you don't deal with today will affect your children. Moms, the things that you don't deal with today, they will affect your children. Then he has Absalom that kills the one, the son that rapes his daughter. Then he has Absalom that takes, tries to take over his kingdom. I'm telling you, if he failed anywhere, he failed inside of his family because he let a spirit inside of his home. This is what I love after he dies. The Bible says this. After the son dies, he prays and fasts and believes God for him. In verse 12, chapter 12 and verse 20. David got up from the ground, washed, anointed himself, changed his clothes, went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. 
Then he came to his own house, and when he asked, they set food before him, and he ate. Can we stand to our feet? Let's stand to our feet. Oh my gosh, I have so much on my heart that I want to share. But this is what I see about David. He knew this, that he had to come back to the goodness of God. And there's people in the room right here. There's, I believe there's people in the room right here that you're blaming God for something that's happened in your life. You know what David did? David got in the presence of God. You know what you need to do? You need to get in the presence of God. Let me read on what it says. I shouldn't have went. I knew it. They come to him and they said, they said, then his servant said to him, what is the thing that you have done? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. When the child died, you got up and ate food. David said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and, and wept. For I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? Some of y'all need to hear that. Can I bring her back again? Can I bring him back again? This is what he says. No, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. You know what the promise you can do is this. Begin to serve God regardless of the circumstances that have happened in your life. And in Psalm 51, he says this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your companion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my wickedness and guilt and cleanse me from my sin. In the very first message that I preached on David, I talked about David being the bastard son. And this is one of the scriptures in Psalm 51 and verse 5. I was brought forth in wickedness and sin. My mother conceived me. See, the sin in his daddy's life affected David and his. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. But then he goes on to say, create in me a clean heart, O God. I'm here to tell you this morning. You know what David said at the end of his life? I was young, but now I'm old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. I'm telling you, God still, even though there were some things in his life that I'm telling you, he could never get back because of the mistake that he had made. But God's grace was upon him. He was Filthy, filthy, filthy rich. God blessed him in every area of his life. But he had to repent to bring it back to God. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. This is the story of God's grace. This is the story of God's mercy. Come on. This is a guy that the Bible says at the end of his life. I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. That ought to encourage you no matter how many times you have made a decree to God. You, you've made a vow. God, I'll never do that again. And you went to the parking lot and did it. Or you waited until everybody was gone and you did it then. You were all by yourself and you did it then. I'm telling you. Thank God for his mercy. Come on, thank God for his grace. And, you, and you, right there, you're already inside of your head. Well, you know, 
If he blessed David, he'll continue to bless me. No, David repented. And he got right with God. And he pursued him. Did he have some hiccups? Yes. But he repented and he got his life right with God. Don't stay in that sin, man. Don't stay in that sin, woman. It'll not only, it'll not only take out you, it'll take out every person you love. Because that's what sin does. Sin is death. Just because the bird's flying over your head, don't let him build a nest inside of you. Don't let him build a nest. Every head bowed with every eye closed. If you're in the room today and you say, you know what, Pastor? There's sin in my life. But today I saw a story that of a man that repented of something that was so wrong. And God, you restored his life. Yeah, he still had some repercussions of things that happened. But you're the God of restoration. So if you're in the room and you say, you know what, Pastor, there's sin in my life. The problem is sin. The solution is Jesus. And the response is repentance, just like David did. I'm going to ask you real quick. If you're not serving God, if there's sin in your life, deal with the sin today. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, if not, ask Him to come live on the inside of you. If you're not right with God, today's the day to get right with the Lord. Today's the day. Today is the day of salvation. God can turn some things around in your life. If that's you, say, Pastor, you know what? That's me. You're talking to me. I need to, I've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Or I'm away from God. Today, I need to get things right. Just lift your hand. Just say, you know what, Pastor? That's me. Praise God. Praise God. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, I want you to pray this prayer for me. If you lifted your hand, say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I admit I've turned my back on you. I'm a sinner. But today, I believe that you died, you were buried, and on the third day, you rose again. Come live in my heart, Jesus. Make me new. Set me free from this day forward. I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app, our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.